What's up, everybody? What's up? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Song here, your host with the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. This is episode 81. And if you didn't know, you know, I've been gone for about a week. I put out a little show in between. Normally, we don't do like a beginning of the week show, but Look, I felt like you guys and gals all support me so much on patreon.com slash Bryanton that I had to, you know, bring the heat and I'm back from my break and now I am totally focused and locked in. I was in Hong Kong, I was in China, then I was here for a week and then I was in Hawaii. All that crazy vacation family reunion stuff, it is over. It is lock-in period. It's the fall. We already know all the stuff that is expected to come in September and then we're going to pound through all the way to CES 2019. So I'm here for you because you have been here for me. Also, we know how to do this. Be a part of the show. Be active in it. We got some great calls about last week's Apple Watch episode. Call in with a voice memo app. It's really easy. It makes it really clean sounding. And then send it out to applebitsshow at gmail.com. That's applebitsshow with a Z at gmail.com. Also, other order of business, this show is brought to you by you, my Patreon supporters. So if you'd like to support this show, I'm completely independent. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is the way to do that starting at $2 a month. Or if what I've given you and the value I bring to you is worth a cup of coffee per month, that's $5 per month. Everything you do helps contribute to not only this podcast, but also the other content I do, the YouTube. I'm also working on some more stuff and at different levels, $5, $10, $25, $100. There's different rewards and benefits. But the biggest benefit of all by sponsoring and supporting the show, you get a completely ad-free version of the show. You won't hear any ads at all. It just goes directly all the way through. So patreon.com slash Tong is the way that you can support this show. So let's just jump into stuff that's pretty much happened, at least the big, big stuff that matters that's happened over the past week or so. And we're gonna start like, I've gotta say, Apple has gotta figure out what they mean when they say pro. Because the latest rumor, and this rumor seems to be pretty darn credible, is that the iPhone 11 Pro is rumored to be the name of the next high-end 2019 iPhone with a triple lens camera. The iPhone 11 Pro. What does the name Pro even mean anymore if it if all it is is just an extra camera? Now, this tweet comes from a mystery account named CoinX on Twitter, but this account has also accurately leaked multiple details about upcoming Apple products over the past year including the names of the iPhone XS, iPhone XS Max, and iPhone XR before anyone else. CoinX also tweeted about the removal of the headphone jack before anyone else and on 2018's iPad Pro models and much more so. When you look at this account, he or she has a history of being on the money, which gives a lot more credibility to the fact that this could this supposed iPhone with the new camera lens will be called the iPhone 11 Pro, which then gets even more confusing for consumers if this is the case, because that could mean the 2019 lineup would include the iPhone 11, the iPhone 11 Pro, and then maybe the iPhone 11R. We don't know for sure. I I don't know what's going on because 
what does the name Pro even mean? Now, we have the iMac Pro, which is a beefier version of the iMac, which is a Pro version. It's also, you know, the super fast, super loaded one. But this iPhone doesn't necessarily mean it's a super fast, super loaded one if you can pretty much get the same thing as an iPhone 11 with this rumored iPhone 11 Pro, but now have the triple lens camera? Does it have stylus? Does a stylus work on it, right? With the iPad Pro, it's just kind of like the Pro now, the word Pro for Apple is almost looking like it means the word best to Apple. And you know what? That ain't Pro, bro. That ain't Pro. A a triple lens camera doesn't make a device Pro. For me, for many of us, if Apple's now running out of naming conventions and all of a sudden the word pro just means their best model, they're doing it wrong. Like I said, that ain't pro, bro. So we'll see how that plays out. This pro name is being thrown around a lot now. Again, we'll see, but you got you got to give CoinX that Twitter account. You can follow it some credibility when he or she has nailed down huge, huge reveals over the past few years. Also, while I was gone, the Apple Card rollout happened while I was on vacation. I saw this now. A lot of you or some of you that are listening might already actually have Apple Card set up on your phone. It got its first group of public test users as of Tuesday, August the 6th. A limited number of customers who signed up on Apple's website. Guess who did that? Moi. To be notified about the release of the Apple Card. Well, guess what? Some of you are now able to apply for the card. It'll pop up in their wallet app as well as you can order a physical Apple Card. Well, I can tell you that many people, including me, have still not been included and are waiting for their quote-unquote early access. And you know what I say to that? That's a bad Apple. Come on, you know, I've been ready to jump on board with this, even though I would be the first to kind of honestly make fun of its rewards because there are so many other cards out there that'll get you 5%, right? We have the Amazon card, 5% on anything bought through Amazon, which is pretty much where 90% of your shopping is happening these days. You've got the uh, Discovery Discover card, 5% off specific categories each month. Apple card, 3% off of Apple goods, 2% off if you use Apple Pay, and then 1% if you just want to flex and use the the physical card. Okay, sure. The fun thing people are talking about is that the actual color of the Apple card, that purple, orangey, green, yellow, white combination changes based on your purchases because they're related to categories. But I don't have it. I know some of you all do, so what I'd love to hear from you all before I get my dirty, grubby hands on it and do my full-on in-depth review is good experience or bad experience with the Apple Card. I'm going to record another show later this week, which would be Thursday or Friday, depending on what news comes out. I'm going to put those calls in there. So remember, voice memo app, record it nice and clean, send it into applebitsshow at gmail.com. And I'd love to hear your experience, good or bad. I'm already starting to get some calls lined up. So Apple Card, it dropped. It's arriving to customers. Some people have even actually received the physical card itself. Neelay Patel from The Verge has it and basically says that it looks thicker. It feels thicker, but it's actually not much thicker 
than any other plastic or metal card. It's slick, and it's also the ultimate Apple fanboy flex. You want to flex? Try to impress someone. It's it's not going to impress anybody. Use the physical Apple card and flex 1% just because you can. All right, the other big news happening outside of the Apple space, but still very relevant to Apple. Hey, I didn't plan it this way. I was gone. Samsung unveiled their new flagship Galaxy Note 10 and Note 10 Plus. And when you do this tail of the tape and you measure up the Galaxy Note 10, and we've talked about this with the Samsung S10 and whatnot, but when you look at everything the Galaxy Note 10 brings, this is what the iPhone is going to have in two years. I'm sorry, like, you you read all this? Okay, let's let's go over some of the stats. And also the design is butter. I love, I'm actually totally okay with the little pinhole um, for the camera at the top from a design standpoint. Pretty much looks like there's no bezel. There's a tiny bit of chin, tiny bit of forehead, but nothing compared to what Apple has right now. And again, they feel like two, two and a half, three years ahead. There's obviously going to be a 5G model. There are two sizes, 6.3 inch and then a 6.8 inch behemoth for the Note 10 Plus. AMOLED cinematic infinity displays. The Galaxy Note 10 features the largest display in a Note device yet. There's the ultrasonic fingerprint sensor for biometric authentication. Also as Samsung's face recognition, they kind of work hand in hand. And they didn't want, remember they've been teasing Apple a lot about this, no headphone jack. You have all this, the big thing here, Samsung Dex. I think that was the most revealing thing about this keynote. The ability for Samsung now to really use the phone like a desktop and not only on a PC, now a Mac. It allows you to drag and drop files between devices when connected to USB. It can be used with a keyboard and a mouse through Dex. It also has this one-click connection to Windows 10 PC, new S Pen technologies. Did I mention 5G? I did. I, I think I mentioned 5G. So their stylus obviously already does a whole lot more. Although, for the record, I do love the feel. I love the Apple Pencil, the way it feels a whole lot better. Samsung adds a triple lens camera to the Note 10 and a quad camera to the Note 10 Plus. This additional quad camera on the Note 10 Plus will be a depth vision, is a depth vision camera. So if you rewind a little bit and rewind to the rumors, a triple lens camera coming to iPhone, let's call it 11 or 11 Pro this year. The Note 10 has the depth vision camera already in it. Note 10 Plus, that is expected or rumored to be coming in the iPhone 2020. And then the fingerprint scanner potentially with a less of a notch, iPhone 2021 even, it's rumored. The ecosystem keeps us here. I get it. This is an Apple-centric podcast. I like to give context, everything, but I got to talk about this. I got to do a video about this, but I almost think, yes, it's about who has an iPhone. If your family all has iPhones, you're going to stick with an iPhone. But let's say they didn't. What is, think about this right now. What is the number one feature that keeps you in the ecosystem? Because when I think about it, it's 
it's airdrop. It's got to be airdrop. Because I've looked at other solutions. There's apps. There's way, you know, you can always do Google Drive. But nothing, nothing is as smooth as airdrop. And until Android as a whole or the Galaxy Note gets a true, true, just like, I don't want to do the bump. Remember there was that app called Bump way back in the day where you had to kind of bump your phones together to just share a contact? You don't even have to do that with AirDrop. You just send that bad boy over to your contacts that it sees. And boop. And I feel like it works like 99% of the time. Sometimes you have to like, a setting changes and you have to make sure you're making AirDrop available to everyone. But AirDrop, I kid you not, might arguably be the one feature that will forever keep me in the ecosystem, primarily in the ecosystem. I use other phones without a doubt, but as the day-to-day driver because because of how that works with your friends and family. They got they got to crack that nut. Anyways, the uh, the Note 10 Plus is a beast. 7 nanometer, 64-bit octa-core processors. Note 10 offers 8 gigs of RAM, 256 storage. Note 10 Plus, 12 gigs of RAM, up to 512 gigs of storage. So yeah, there's a lot when I just think about those devices and I see them, I'm like, dang, like we already know, let's be, let's just admit it. We already know Apple is behind, but the beauty of it, right, is the polish and the convenience. But you got to think a a company that's sitting on whatever it is, around $210 billion right now could close that gap a little bit. But the gap still always seems to be the same. Um. Bilateral wireless charging has been on Samsung devices already. Apple potentially expected to get that. But we also love this whole, remember how long Samsung had just been hammering Apple for getting rid of the headphone jack? Well, we talked about the Note 10, Note 10 Plus. They don't have it anymore. But what they did was just quietly delete the ads that they had that mocked Apple for not having a headphone jack anymore. They just they just kind of pushed them on the side. I thought that was hilarious because now they finally have just like accepted it. Even though I still don't like it. I mean, yeah, I'm past complaining about it as much because it's not going to change. But they, instead of owning up to all that smack they've been talking, they just said, we're just going to quietly delete these from our YouTube channel so that they don't exist anymore. So... Just just be aware of that. All right. Also, in a story that may not make you very happy about this, according to iFixit, Apple is locking iPhone batteries to discourage third-party replacements. So what does this mean? Apple has activated what they call a dormant software lock on its latest iPhones to discourage battery replacements that aren't done officially by Apple or by authorized Apple dealers according to iFixit. So what they did is that if a battery has been swapped by anyone other than Apple or an Apple authorized service provider, it will now display a message saying that their battery needs servicing. You you have to look at this. It shows up in the battery health uh, settings. So when you go to the battery settings and you look at battery health, there's just a word that says service. Now this doesn't mean that you can't use your phone, but according to iFixit, this is what they say. If you replace the battery in the newest iPhones, a message indicating you need to service your battery appears in the settings battery menu next to battery health. The service message 
is normally an indication that the battery is degraded and needs to be replaced. The message still shows up when you put in a brand new battery. However, here's the bigger problem. Our lab tests confirm that even when you swap in a genuine Apple battery, the phone will still display the service message. Put simply, Apple's locking batteries to their phones at the factory, so whenever you replace the battery yourself, even if you're using a genuine Apple battery from another iPhone, it will still give you the service message. The only way around this is, you guessed it, pay Apple money to replace your iPhone battery for you. Now, it's a message. Um, when you see this, again, this does not affect you from using your bat- your phone, but this message appears in both iOS 12 and iOS 13 beta. So obviously it's going to pretty much go through iOS 13 when it's officially released. And it does prevent you from accessing the battery health features because of this. So I, I don't know what to think. You know, Apple wants to control. I do know what to think. I absolutely know what to think. Yeah, this is a bad Apple. I mean, you guys already, you guys and gals were sniffing that bad apple before I even hit the button. As I was reading it, you're like, ooh, I know some of you are shaking your head. You're like, ooh, that is a bad apple. So obviously, this message is appearing, is really designed to deter people from battery replacements doing it themselves or going through unauthorized dealers. According to a service document that MacRumors unearthed, Battery health info is unavailable for any iPhone XS, XS Max, and XR that has a non-genuine battery and is running iOS 12.1 or later. So you can pretty much expect that to carry over with the new iPhones and the new iOS. So you know what? When when Apple talks about, you know, we see this evolution of how Apple more than ever is now the whole beauty of it, right? It's hardware and software. Apple is controlling. The chips we already saw with their latest acquisition of Intel's modem chips, they're going to take that to another level. But it also allows them to control things like this, how you get your product serviced. And you want it serviced from an authorized reseller and someone who's... But there's plenty... Look, look at how many screen replacements. I got to bet at least 60% of you, 50% of you, don't even go to Apple to get a cracked screen replacement. Either... (laughs) You use the screen totally cracked with the risk of getting shards of glass in your face or you just take it you take it somewhere else that's not Apple, right? You take it to one of those little repair centers in the mall or those shops that are like everywhere because they're making banks still doing that, but they're not charging nearly as much as Apple. You're doing that. Apple's trying to stop that. Apple's trying to curtail that. And it's only going to get even, Apple's going to even control it even more not that you're replacing your into your modem in your phone, but the pattern shows that Apple, not only were they control freaks before, they want even more control now. And kind of the big news and stories that got buzzed during the week that I was gone, we'll see how this plays out. UBS predicts foldable iPhone or iPad by 2021. Excuse me, UBS. Excuse me. A foldable iPad already exists. (laughs) You knew I was going to go there. So this report that got mainstream push because sometimes a headline like that, news outlets like, yes, this is going to happen. You're like, dude, this is just, yeah, throw it out there. Apple will eventually do it, maybe. 
They probably will. But UBS predicts in their own research note that more likely there will be an iPad than an iPhone, but they also believe it's more likely to launch in 2021 than 2020 for a foldable device. So Apple will likely launch a foldable device within the next two years. And I'm okay with I. You know what? I think that right now, foldable devices are polarizing because they're just so foreign and the idea of it is so like, do I really need that? And I, I'm there right now, but at the same time, I think foldable devices can be super special and will be what we'll end up using down the road. Not in the next, and not, it's not going to be widespread adoption, but what we saw with Samsung's Galaxy Fold is that, yeah, they did it. They had problems with it right out of the gates. They made small tweaks that we've seen to kind of prevent all that dust and artifacts from getting there. But when it's a completely new piece of hardware, especially someone that's flex, something that's flexible, it's going to take a long time to perfect it. But once the hardware is perfected and once the software is perfected, you know, Apple's just kind of waiting in the wings. And you know that they will make their best effort to come up with something that's more polished. It might be a little more basic, but it's going to be more polished at that level to get in there. And I think just foldable devices, period, are exciting for me. You know, it's something new, but I, I think it actually has a real function function to it. Well, it'll take time to get there. I'm not, I mean, I don't even know. Maybe I would argue if I was really going to buy a foldable device from Apple, maybe, shoot, they might even put something out there 2022. If they're already like two, three years behind what Samsung is doing, they're not going to put that out next year. <laughs> they're not going to put it out in 2021. 2022, the year of the foldable iDevice. And don't start calling it a pro just because it's foldable. You can't do this. This is just a prediction. This is a speculation. This is total crazy speculation. But I remember seeing the headline on my phone getting play in mainstream media. I'm like, really? Are, are we really doing this right now? That's fine. Look, I put out a video that some people got really mad about, about saying that the iPhone 2020 is the iPhone to get. And everyone's like, oh, everyone says this every year. It's the year after. It's don't get this year's phone, get the next one. I rarely do that. I would normally be cautious about that, but it's going to be such a big jump, the really true next big jump generationally that, yeah, I wanted to make a video. I gave the reasons why. And instead of it just being clickbaity, just the actual logical thinking behind it. So if we're getting that, 2020 is that next iPhone, 2022 foldable baby. That's what, that's my, my, my eyes, my sights are on, but it doesn't mean it's going to become a headline. Like (laughs) Apple bits XL says foldable iDevice by 2022. Yeah, probably not going to happen. All right, since this is kind of a catch-up-to-speed show of some of the big things that have happened, I figured, you know what, let's just get right to it, jump into our phone calls. We will have another show later this week, um, but this is kind of like, I'll call it the tweener. This is the tweener show. So I did an episode while I was on break about the Apple Watch, about, again, why Apple doesn't really need a Series 5 watch right now. So we have a few calls specifically about the Apple Watch Let's just jump into them. We're going to first start off with my man, Jaleel Shaw. Brian Tong, this is Jaleel calling you from New Jersey. I'm calling because uh, I've heard so many podcasts where you speak very, 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 very highly of the Apple Watch. And uh, 
I have one myself and I like it, but I can't seem to find the excitement in it that you have. And I'm wondering what apps are you using regularly and what do you use the Apple Watch for? Um, I use it to track my health, you know, with workouts and steps. And um, I use it maybe every once in a while to check messages or answer phone calls or maybe the weather. But other than that, I'm realizing I'm not really using it that much. So I'm wondering what the Apple Watch uh, is used for in your everyday life. What do you use it for? Um, Because maybe you can inspire me to, you know, take advantage of these things. Also, I would like to ask you about iTunes. I know iTunes is being phased out, and I just wonder how you think this will affect the music industry because this means that the digital uh, digital downloading is over for good. I'm an independent artist myself, and I'm worried about it. So, uh, you know, I, I don't want to be only streaming, but I guess that's the way, you know, the music industry is going. But I just wanted to hear your thoughts on it. Thanks. All right, Jaleel, thanks so much for the call. And for everyone that is listening, uh, check out his Twitter, Jaleel Shaw. He's a great saxophonist. I got to check out his music and always got to give props and love to those creators and artists that are out there. But let's get to your question. First of all, Jaleel, I think it's always funny because people I've been people ask me like, dude, why are you so high on the Apple Watch? And I think one of the biggest reasons why, sure, it screwed up my uh, data plan because I was a legacy grandfather for a while and I wanted to get LTE for the Apple Watch. I did it in my review. Apple doesn't talk about how if you want to change your data plan, those legacy grandfather plans don't work. And so you have to upgrade your plan, which means you have to pretty much buy one of those data plans that allows you to use additional devices and use your smartphone as a hotspot, which costs way more than my legacy one. I didn't know that at the time two two years ago or so, um, but it's what I do now. So the biggest thing is if you have the LTE Apple Watch, there's a sense of freedom that you have that just no device gets you. I know some people just love having their phone around with them, but if you like your fitness and health data, I'm telling you, if you're someone who wants to get into working out or does work out, being able to do everything and be on the go, specifically with just an Apple Watch, feels like liberating and free. You got some headphones on, like you don't need to carry the clunky phone around with you in many occasions now. The other part about it is that, fine, you might be, well, that's not me. Then maybe that's not why the the Apple Watch is too high for you. You're like, ah, it's just kind of like a notification bracelet. I can tape some calls. I just think that it's become over time more and more useful. I think the next step is that, obviously I talk about how you'll be able to stream audio directly over LTE from services like sports games, live streaming. Spotify hasn't confirmed that they're on board yet, but I've got to imagine Spotify is going to be part of those groups of apps that is going to say, yeah, we're going to take advantage of that API because having the ability to uh, stream directly off of your watch for your specific music playlist on Spotify, that's going to be a big deal to me too. I do not pay for the Apple Music service, but I think that overall it's the freedom, the freedom specifically with doing fitness and then a lot of the stuff coming in watch os6 that i also talked about in the last podcast now if we want to talk about itunes the thing is that although it sounds like itunes is going away it actually isn't really dead like itunes as a specific bloatware app won't exist on the new uh, mac os 
It just won't, but you're still going to be able to still buy music from the iTunes store. It'll just kind of exist um, on the sidebar of the music app. So people will still be able to go to the iTunes store because there are still people that still buy music. I support all the artists I actually enjoy. And I, I do, honestly, it sounds stupid, but maybe it's just me being old school. I buy their songs. I don't buy too many. I probably might only buy like maybe three albums a year. Um, but I still support the artists that I love just because I understand what it takes as a creator and everything like that. The other part of it is that I think what's scary about that is it's going to, because the iTunes store is less in your face and less visible, you as a, as a person who makes a living from creating music and selling music, I think it's going to be a lot harder for people to do any type of discovery because A, they won't see it right away and everyone is pushing everyone towards streaming. It really comes down to you as the creator to continue to push out content and marketing and make it sexy because like I look at what happened to the App Store once Apple changed how the App Store looks specifically on the on the iPhone they simplified it so much that really the only apps that get love are clearly apps that are paying mo- big marketing dollars to Apple to be featured. I don't ever feel like I'm seeing independent apps get nearly as much as much as a push or a bump that they might have in the in the app store before this could be total perception from me but from what i feel is like a i don't really fiddle with the app stores much anymore maybe also it's harder to find these more new like groundbreaking innovative apps because it's so mature and until new hardware like augmented reality comes to the table we won't see new innovative apps that get us to be like, oh, I'm gonna go searching on the app store for stuff. Yes, there are games, but I, I feel like the revolutionary games, like remember there was a peak time of like Doodle Jump and Angry Birds, and I'm trying to think of whatever, what other games like, um, shoot, what's that? Jetpack Joyride, Fruit Ninja. There was this time where like mobile games, you were just always looking to find out what's the newest game. I don't know if we're there anymore. You know. Most of my my nieces and nephews, they're pretty much sticking, they're over Minecraft, they're playing Fortnite, and then a Marvel game or a Star Wars game. And that's kind of their wheelhouse now. And I look at, I have five nieces and nephews, I see how they operate, and and then I see how we operate as as more grown-ups or adults, even though there's kids in many of us, me included. So I think that app discovery is harder, and I think that music discovery is going to be less of a priority uh, with the new revamp and how they hide the iTunes store. I hope, I'm sorry if that was a really long answer for everyone, but I think it also offers insight to how things have been changing and shifting. So um, thanks for the call, Jaleel. Really appreciate it. All right, next up, we got my man, Alex. Hey, Brian, this is Alex from San Jose. Um, I have an Apple Watch 3, um, and I was annoyed to find out that I can't even connect to my car audio system. Do you, do you know what that functionality is coming uh, in the future to the Series 5, I guess? Thanks. Bye. Alex, you know what? Yeah, that's bad. Who's bad? Who's bad? It's got to be... Look, okay, this is this is actually surprising. I didn't... I remember trying to pair my Apple Watch... Um, man, I think it might've been a series two. And then I, it's one of those stupid things where you kind of accept that it doesn't work. And then hearing you talk about it, it's like, dude, that is so stupid. So I looked up a little bit and I actually found out that although yes, the Apple watch for most cases doesn't directly sync 
to most car stereo systems, some people have found that at the very least it does pair with uh, like a car system with a Honda Pilot or an Infiniti 2012 G37X. So Alex, uh, those two cars might be the ones you're looking for. Not really. But what Apple has advised and is pretty much deliberately doing is they advise that the iPhone, iPad, and the iPod Touch, even old janky iPod Touches, are the only devices that are designed for use with the audio car systems. Now, Apple would have honestly mentioned it in Watch OS 6, and unless we miss it, even when they sometimes throw up this whole list for developer tools, we haven't seen anything that I know of that shows that being able to directly connect your Apple Watch to your car system is going to be available for playing. Mostly, it would be for playing music, and even if you could use Apple Maps to talk to it, what some people are saying is that it might have to do with contact sharing required by some car dashes, and that's why it goes directly to the phone for that. But this is something they got to do, and I think that I it's going to be another whack Apple if they don't do it with watchOS 6. And unless they surprise us in September, October, it's not going to happen. So as of now, the answer is no. They're, it's not expected that it's going to happen. And it kind of got me bummed because much like I've accepted that the notch is there and I don't want to complain about it anymore, I kind of accepted that I couldn't connect my Apple Watch directly to my uh, to my dash and just completely be free. And I know that's probably what you're looking to do. So thanks for the call, Alex. And uh, we will both hold each other tight until that happens. All right, next up, David Hawk. Welcome back, BTZ. Hope you had a good vacation. Uh, this is David over here in San Antonio, uh, giving you another call back. Hey, in response to your Apple Watch 5, I, I personally, I don't think they're going to do a 5. They'll probably do with the uh, the good old Apple-fashioned, wait for it, Apple Watch 4S. Ooh! Yeah, I think that's going to catch on. Anyways, I think that what they're going to do is, you know, maybe a few minor bumps they really need to work on that battery life because, I mean, if you think about it, if they're they're trying to offload more work onto the watch and less for the phone to handle it, and that's going to put a lot of strain on the watch battery, and so the battery's not going to last long. I, you know, right now the 3, the Series 3 that I have will last me two days, um, and that's because I don't have the Wi-Fi version. I didn't, I, I, I travel with my phone enough to where I don't need LTE. Um, but that's just personal use. Um, when I do a lot more exercise, it obviously comes down to about a day and a half. Um, but that's just me. Also, I want to get your take. Uh, what do you think Apple's doing right now, considering that the Hulu and Disney uh, price drop bomb um, is, is probably making Apple shake a little bit? I mean, twelve ninety nine for ESPN Plus, at Disney Plus, and Hulu all together. I mean, that's ridiculous. Uh, let me know what you think. Uh, welcome back. Can't wait to hear you more. All right, David, thanks so much for calling. You know what? You almost made me forget that was another thing that I saw over the week about or the time that I was gone um, that Disney actually, it was rumored, and then Disney confirmed that it is going to roll out a Disney Plus Hulu Basic On Demand tier and ESPN Plus for twelve ninety nine. Now, that's a killer combo. But for me, that's also a killer combo that I'm not going to take. I, for me, I'm just going to go with Disney Plus $6.99 a month, I think it is for now. But that bundle would offer a $5 discount 
from the cost of subscribing to all the platforms individually. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. It totally made me forget the fact that that Disney bundle was announced or it wasn't, it was leaked and then announced. Also, I'm going to be doing a little digging for you because I'll be in attendance at D23, which is Apple, uh, sorry, which is Disney's kind of big conference for all things Disney. So we're talking about Marvel, we're talking about Star Wars, we're talking about Pixar. Um, and then one of the keynotes they're going to have is specifically about Disney Plus. And I want to see what else they reveal about the service, what other content is coming out. Because, man, you know, Apple wishes so bad right now. The most buzzworthy streaming service coming out right now that it's going to even make some people reconsider whether they want to keep their Netflix. I think Netflix recently had a, a decrease in subscribers from their last earnings report. Whether they want to keep their Hulu still. The Disney Plus service is the one that's kind of going to be the disruptor in the next coming three, whatever it is, two, three months when it comes out in November. Because you know Apple wished Apple TV Plus was making all the buzz, but it's not. It's all about Disney Plus. Also, to combat maybe some of that, Apple released a trailer, like a little teaser trailer for one of their properties, The Morning Show. That's that uh, Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, and Steve Carell show. Um, okay. You can either show us that without a price point and a release date, or know that for $6.99 a month, we're getting everything possible that you care about right now. The Marvel shows alone, and I'm sorry, there's probably people here that don't care about Marvel uh, movies and TV shows. Well, I do, and I think there's a lot of people that do. You got, fine, if you don't, The Simpsons Library. The Simpsons Library on Disney+. And then all the Disney stuff and shows and blah, blah, blah. Star Wars stuff, The Mandalorian with by Jon Favreau. It's crazy. I think they're dropping like at least 10 pieces, 10, 20 pieces of content in like the first year that they're out. And, you know, Apple's going to do it a different way. So, uh, yes, that package is intriguing. We'll see what happens. And then also to your other point about the battery life on the Apple Watch, I know I'm jumping around. I think that these devices, it's the whole thing, the whole catch of these devices do more. The battery life gets better, but these devices do more, and it pretty much comes out to be about an even push. A long time ago, there were uh, prototypes and rumors of a wristband that actually had more battery storage built into it and then could connect to that actual port that is still being unused on the Apple Watch. Um, So we'll see. We'll see how that happens. But yeah, obviously, whether it's phones or our watch, battery life is still a priority, but there hasn't been any type of breakthrough that has bumped it up to that next level. All right, final call from our friend Cameron. Oh, hey, Brian. Uh, this is Cameron Abrams calling in again from Port Hope, Ontario, Canada. Uh, I remember being on one of your earlier podcasts talking about the Apple Watch Series 4. Bought one, and I'm absolutely loving it like you love it. Uh, but I just had to... Uh, re- get a return or replacement model for my Apple Watch because it had a scratch on it and I received my replacement box only to find out that there was no replacement model in the box there was just a return sticker so I'd like to call out a bad Apple to Apple for that and they've now launched an investigation to try to figure out where my replacement model went. Anyway just thought I'd... uh, (laughs) let you know just a bad apple to shout out on the show uh for the apple watch series 4 okay thanks love the show bye
That's what I got to say for you, Cam. Boo! In fact, I might call you Camada. Get it? Cam from uh, from Canada? No? Not good? Fine, fine. I'll stop. But that is a crazy story. That is a crappy story. And I wish you well. And I hope that Apple comes through because that's one of those crazy things where they're going to be like, it's a he said, she said. And they're probably not going to be able to find out who took that Apple Watch. Um, but at the very least... You, there's the record that you submitted it, and I only wish you the best. And right now, we have to see what Apple does before we really, really give them the bad Apple. But for now, they get that boo, okay? They get that boo. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for supporting this show and all of my content. That's going to wrap it up for this, like I called it, the tweener show. Thank you so much to our Platinum Apples at the $100 level from Patreon, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, and Jarrett Lewis, and Calvin Fatakar. Thank you all, and for everyone else that supports this show at any level, thank you for allowing me to do this. Again, you know, I was on break. I still provide content while I'm on break, but I'm just so grateful. And if you don't have the resources to support the show financially, look, I ask you kindly, five-star review the show, write a review. It helps bump it up in the algorithm, and it allows people to find out about it. Tell your friends, tell your mama. But again, thank you so much, and we will be back in a few days to talk more about the latest and greatest inside the world of Apple. Remember, also be a part of the show, voice memo, use that app, call in if there's anything that struck you here. We'd love to hear from you, applebitshow at gmail.com. That's applebits with a Z. But until next time, everybody, take care, be safe. We'll talk to you soon. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. <laughs>